about different ways to live with more intention. Each week, we will discuss different ways to learn how to nourish our mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Rachel Bacora. I'm a licensed massage therapist and a John F. Barnes-trained myofascial release therapist. I am passionate about living an authentic life and want to help you return to ease. Today, we have a special guest, Michelle Bollinger from Forever Amber Acres Animal Sanctuary. Michelle offers an individualized equine-assisted program for military veterans, first responders, as well as civilians and small groups geared towards personal development and team building. Her group of special needs horses provide emotional therapy to military veterans and others who suffer emotionally through Nagala equine-assisted psychotherapy program. And today we will talk about horses and how they can help us heal and all the fun stuff you get to do. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. We have plenty we can talk about. So you are located in Medina and you have your animal sanctuary where you have your assisted uh, equine program. And that's like a mouthful, Igala. I don't know if most people have heard of that or if that's something that um, is kind of foreign to some people. So maybe you could talk about your background and how you get started with your sanctuary. Sure. So, um, yeah, Rachel, back in um, 2005, both my parents passed away. And um, I was 39 years old and I was feeling like I was, you know, reevaluating my life. And um, I always felt destined for something else in life, but I really never was sure what that that was. So um, I just felt like I was living a, a life without purpose. So each of my siblings and I, there were five of us, and we all received a small inheritance of $33,000 a piece, but it was enough to like do something meaningful with. And I said to myself, I want to do something, you know, really meaningful, but I just don't know what that is. So a few months passed and I now we're into the spring of 2006 and I was watching um, a national televised uh, race, a horse race on television. It was uh, the Preakness, which is um, one of the big races, like the Triple Crown races. And there was a horse by the name of Barbaro, and Barbaro had a catastrophic uh, breakdown on the racetrack. I mean, terrible, terrible. It's something that anybody that saw that accident will probably, that memory will probably haunt them forever. And that watching that just really, really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And it just hit my heart in a really profound way and um, just couldn't shake it. So it really made me start questioning what happens to so many racehorses and other horses uh, that after their days uh, on the racetrack or eventing or whatever it is, the purpose that, you know, people use the horses for what happens to them. So literally that night, um, I delved myself into research. I didn't go, I didn't go to sleep that night. I stayed up for 24 hours and I was glued to my computer and doing so much research. And I uncovered the horse slaughter industry, which I knew nothing about previously. 
And um, I had never had horses. I always wanted horses in my life. I always felt drawn to horses as a child. And, you know, I did some riding here and there when I was in my 20s, but like didn't spend a tremendous amount of time with horses, but horses kept popping into my my brain like I'm supposed to be doing something with horses. So um, my husband at the time, I was married at the time, and my daughter woke up and they were like, hey, haven't you gone to sleep? And I'm like, you know, like crying, like, you're not going to believe what, you know, what I discovered. I didn't get to sleep. And I started explaining it to them. And then I said, I know what I'm going to do with my inheritance. I'm going to rescue a racehorse. And uh, my husband at the time said, what? You're not rescuing a racehorse. You've never had a horse. You've never, you wouldn't know what to do with the racehorse. And I'm like, I'm going to, don't tell me that I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. And yeah. two months to the day, literally later. So July of 2006, I rescued my first horse and her name was Forever Amber. And she's now the namesake of my sanctuary, my nonprofit. And uh, Forever Amber uh, was this big, majestic, red uh, horse, a chestnut horse, very fiery, big personality. And she was Canadian bred. And um, I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with her, um, but I'm going to learn everything that I can about her. So I rescued this horse and um, I um, had her in a boarding facility um, about 45 minutes away from where I lived at the time. And I hired a trainer and I basically decided that, you know, that year I was going to um, learn everything that I could, that the trainer could teach me about the horse, how to ride the horse and do all things that people do with horses, or at least that I thought people did with horses. Right. So that went along. And as time, you know, the weeks and months were passing by, it became obvious to me that it really wasn't about riding the horse that was most meaningful to me. It was about the time I was spending with the horse on the ground and how she was making, being around her made me feel it, you know, just like if I, you know, went to visit her after a long day of work, I was working corporate America at that time and I could have a headache or feel sore or, you know, whatever the case was. And all of that would just magically disappear. And I didn't know how to explain that or not, but that just happened. So the horse was a, forever. Amber was a little bit much for probably a beginner rider, um, like I was considered. And the trainer at the time was like, you need to get rid of this horse. She's going to kill you. She's too dangerous for you. And I said, you know what? I don't care if I can never ride her. You know, I'm. it's the time I'm spending with her on the ground. So I continued um, to work with her and I actually got rid of, I broke the relationship with the trainer because I realized that he and I were on two very different planes. And so I was just teaching myself about her. And the more I got rid of all the outer layers of all these equestrians and trainers and, you know, people in the horse world telling me how things should look and how they should be the stronger and stronger the bond became with me and forever amber well one year into our relationship so this is now july 2007 uh forever amber her attitude just changed and she went from this very high-spirited horse to very lethargic 
and just not herself. So I had the uh, veterinary um, veterinarian come in to do tests and blood work on her, and she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So I knew that I needed to find um, a boarding facility that was closer to home because she was going to have a lot of special needs that I was going to need to deal with. And I um, needed to find a place that was going to be able to take care of those special needs because, you know, I'm still working and, you know, um, I, you know, didn't have like all the time in the world just to be, you know, you know, with her day in, day out. And I quickly learned that there are no uh, facilities like that in Northeast Ohio close by. Um, I've never really found one, even all these years later. And so I um, was, after doing some research, I kept meeting a bunch of different people and talking to people on the phone that were involved in the equestrian world. And I was um, brought in touch with a woman that was looking for somebody to manage her horse therapy barn in Medina. And uh, she had a program that um, helped children with traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And the children would come in and they would do their occupational physical therapy um, on the back of a horse, like horseback riding, but they would be surrounded by a team of like, you know, professionals, equine professionals, and then the clinicians that were coming in to offer the services to help these children. Um, And so the deal was you can move your horse here to our facility, which would be a lot closer. It was like 15 minutes away from my home. And in turn, I'd get free board and then I would be able to take care of their um, 10 therapy horses that they had at the time and help them run their program because their owner was an absentee owner that lived in another state. So I'm like, wow, this is great. So um, my husband at the time was out of work and um, so I was like, I've got a job for you. We're going to be saving on the money for board and you're going to... Uh, help take care of Forever Amber at this, you know, boarding facility while I'm going to work during the day. And you're going to help me learn about this, you know, therapy, you know, business. I think this is really cool. So fast forward about a year later, it was um, 2008. um, I rescued another horse, one of the therapy horses at the facility where we were taken care of. Um, was in need because he could no longer perform the duties that they needed him to perform as a therapy horse that was actually doing like therapeutic riding because of his age and some ailments that he had. So what do you know? (laughs) I have now two horses and I'm taking care of this facility and the owners um, were looking to sell the business and sell the property And so I'm like, this is it, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to try to buy this business. Well, things didn't work out for various reasons uh, at that business. And so I'm like, I'm going to buy my own farm. (laughs) So by August of 2008, so this is now two years into my journey, I bought this 11 and a half acre farm that's now Forever Amber Acres in Medina. And um, it was a blank canvas of land. And I'm like, this is what we're doing. We're going to build up this facility and rescue horses. And then the horses will 
do a therapeutic, you know, I thought at the time it would be a writing program, but that's not the route that we ended up going, but that we were going to develop some kind of um, therapy program. And because military veterans have always been very near and dear to my heart, I said, this, we're going to cater to that audience um, for their service. We're going to give back to them. And the horses, it would be their way of giving back after they were rescued. So the way things work out in life, um, my marriage, you know, dissolved my husband. Uh, you know, we parted ways and uh, we're, you know, still friendly to this day. But it was my dream. It was my vision. It wasn't his. It had, he was like, you know, you're going to stop here, right? And I'm like, no, I'm only just beginning, you know. <laughs> I'm not stopping, you know, so, <laughs> um, so we just, we amicably uh, decided to divorce and, um, you know, we try to work things out, but it just, you know, we had two very di different ideas of what life was going to look like. And, um, so I continued to go on my journey. And for the first five years, I, ran, uh, what forever Amber acres as just like a private facility, um, out of the funds that I was like actually making during my day job, um, because like I really just didn't know which direction I was going to go into. So in 2013, I was talking to a friend who happens to be an attorney, and she said, It sounds like what you're doing is like the work of nonprofit organization but you're not a nonprofit organization. You need to be able to build this thing up and be able to receive, you know, um, grants, funding, and donations where people can, you know, contribute to keep your, you know, thing place going to be. So I was like, that's great. That's like some other people that helped me uh, form the nonprofit. We're a 501c3 organization. And um, it's uh, so people that donate can get like a tax deduction from doing that. And then I um, got together a board of directors and we started our, you know, putting together our mission statement and figuring out what it was we were supposed to do. So um, we, the more and more research that we did and the more people that we talked to, we realized that the horses that were coming to us were not the traditional like riding horses, like the therapeutic riding program that I had previously taken care of, that the horses that were coming into our pathway were horses that had like emotional like trauma um, from their past experiences that were challenged um, physically and medically, and that really they weren't riding horses. They weren't like safe riding horses and they just weren't able to perform those duties. And it's a huge liability to also like just an extra layer of liability to have people riding the horses mm -hmm. as opposed to doing things on the ground. But we were like, well, what are we gonna do, you know, with these horses? So. Um, through networking, a friend put me in touch with somebody else who was um, certified in the EGALA model. It's the Equine Assisted Group and Learning Association, and it's like world-renowned um, in the equine-assisted psychotherapy um, world um, for um, 
being used and that is very like highly, you know, credentialed and um, that the horses are all used on the ground. So there's no riding involved. And it's all like a very metaphorical experiential type of um, um, program. And yeah, so metaphors and symbolism, they all, you know, come into play during this therapeutic process. So my board and I, we got together, we're like, yes, this is it. This is the perfect type of program for us. And there weren't like a lot of other organizations locally that were doing this type of work at that time. And so we're like, we need to do that. But it was very, very expensive to get um, credentialed and to go through the certification process. And we were a new nonprofit, just basically fundraising to keep the lights on uh, and horses fed at that time. And so it took us a couple of years. Uh, It wasn't until 2018, so five years into being a nonprofit before we were really set up to be able to start our therapy program. So it's been like a a stepping stone. So that's kind of how we got started. I know that was a very long-winded story, but that's the story. <laughs> no, that that's great. It's good to hear the whole thing. I think it's really it's it's fascinating. Um I I know you've told me some of the story in the past, but like to hear it all kind of together again is just it's very interesting how things just like build upon each other over time. So that's that's really special. Um it's the universe at uh I say it's the universe hard at work, right? If you listen, like I had in the beginning all these ideas of what I, I thought I was supposed supposed to do or maybe that I wanted to do. And there was a lot of like roadblocks in between there. And I was being told, you know, by the universe, my angels, God, whoever you want to, you know, call it, that that wasn't exactly the path I was supposed to take. So I started like listening and stepping back and let the whole thing transform. And it took a lot longer than I expected. But in hindsight, it happened all just the way it was supposed to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you, um, so I know you use the horses like in the therapy program and you're not riding them or anything, but how do the horses help people with the therapy? Like what is their role in the therapy? Yeah. So, um, so we have seven, um, horses that, you know, call this place home, uh, because that's, about capacity for a piece of property size and for, you know, the funding that we have to do and stuff. So once we rescue the horses, we rehabilitate them to get them into a healthier state. And then when they're ready to start, like we call it working, um, they're given that option. We always let the horses choose whether they want to be in the sessions or not. And we listen to, uh, as crazy as that might sound, we listen to them and they'll show us if you listen to their um, their signs that they'll give you whether they want to be in the session or not. So the horses are a blank canvas when they're in a session and we try not to tell people too much of their backstories, their names, their sexes, because if we tell people that 
then that can be very limiting. So we want them to be a blank canvas and the horse will take on the energy of the person that they're working with or the people, if it's in a group setting, and they can become anything that the people that are working with them need them to be in the therapeutic process. So they could become like a job or a family member or a traumatic event, or they could be become depression, uh, anxiety, they could become anything really. And so when people come to us and um, they, um, you know, usually will tell us like, you know, what they're presenting, you know, um, you know, goal is, you know, to work with us or whatever. Uh, the treatment team, which consists of a mental health professional, myself as the equine specialist and always the horses. It's a treatment team approach. Um, you can't do the, tr the therapy without the entire team. We'll come up with goals, uh, short and long-term goals that the individuals or groups want to meet. And um, so I could give you an example, like um, there was um, a person that came to us a couple of years ago and she had a very traumatic past and some addiction issues. Um, she had had very, very little interaction with horses before, and that's fine because this isn't about learning about horsemanship. Um, it's about listening to the messages that the horses will give you um, through their energy and your energy. And so the woman came and she was very, very like, you could tell she was very nervous. And we had a few, there was three horses that were in the arena, the therapy arena. And the horses were just like, kind of just standing there, just, you know, eating hay and just hanging out. And then the woman came in and we stood at this gate and I explained to her how the program worked and told her that, you know, there, she didn't ever have to walk into the therapy arena unless she wanted to be because anything in uh, in the arena or outside in the environment becomes part of the story, right? The person's story. So um, the lady said, well, you know, I just don't know what to expect. And then um, you could just tell she was like shaking. And with that, all three horses that were in the arena, they all turned around pretty much at the same time and they all started getting up like walking like almost like the moonwalk right they were backing up into the wall and it, so the woman looked at me she's like what's going on and I said and I put it back at the horses and I said what are they what do you think they're doing and she said that's me. They are backed up into a wall and that's me. I'm backed up into a corner and I don't know how to get myself out. And so, and then she started to weep and then she's like, I can't believe this, you know? And I was like, I'm telling you that they're not trained to do this kind of stuff. They're, you know, the horses are Liberty uh, to, you know, they're just reading your energy because, you know, horses that's, we're predators, humans are predators uh, to horses and they're prey animals. So their job as like a horse or as a horse herd is to keep themselves alive and safe, uh, very much so like veterans and first responders, right? 
And so if they're not feeling like safe in the environment that they're in, they'll flee or they'll fight, right? So the horses, they'll mirror, like there's an expression that if you look at a horse, it's like looking at yourself in a mirror. And if the horse's ears were pinned back or if their teeth were on, like they were biting one another or some, an object, or even if they tried to, you know, bite at the client, for instance, I would interpret that from an equine perspective back to the therapist. And then the therapist could relate that to the client from an emotional level to figure out like, you know, are there people in your life that you, you feel are, you know, biting back at you? We would use the client's words um, because everybody sees everything in a different way. Like, uh, for instance, um, I might see the teeth of a horse going on another horse and call that biting. You might look at that and say it's affection, right? Uh-huh. So everybody has a different interpretation. So as the treatment team, we try to keep ourselves out of that picture and let the client decide what's going on. It's a very external form of therapy. So instead of asking people to dig deep internally, uh, we it's an external form. So we put it back on the horses and say, like, what are the horses doing? You know, um, you know. Does the horse, you know, do you think the horse, if the client used a, an expression like, um, you know, that they were depressed, we would say, do you see depression out there? You know, we would always put it back on the horses because it's easier for a lot of people to talk about it through the horses instead of talking about it internally from their own selves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating to me. I, I love horses. I have a very special place for horses in my heart. And I I love your horses. I love coming to visit and seeing just, they're just so amazing, especially when they're all together and the things that you've taught me about them. It's just like, it's just such a great experience to be around them. Um, Why? I I don't know if you know this answer or not, but like, why do horses have such a, a strong mirroring capability? Like, why are they so intuitive? How do they, how do they know that stuff? Yeah, it's I I feel it's ingrained in them. You know, like I said, it's kind of like their survival skills that they have to keep themselves alive. And that's like if they were in the wild or in, you know, modern day, like today, a horse living in the pasture is like a horse living in the wild, right? So, but still they need to, like if there's a scary helicopter flying overhead, you know, or a paper bag or a plastic bag that's, you know, uh, flying through the pasture, they have to assess as um, a herd or an individual horse, is this something that I need to flee from or fight? Or is it something that I can just, you know, ignore like, oh, it's just something that's flying around, you know, in the pasture. So they like determine that as a herd. There's a hierarchy in the herd and there's leadership and every horse has a placement in the herd, just kind of like also like a military unit. And um, so if the herd leader, for example, decides we need to flee from whatever this scary object is, well, then they're all going to flee. 
or they're going to fight, right? They're going to fight to keep themselves alive. And because they're um, so highly attuned to their environment, including the people that are around them in their environment, they are so aware of <clears throat> and can connect to other people's energy. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. And then, you know, the, another really cool thing is that a huge difference between people and horses is that like once the horse flees or fights, right, to get away from whatever that perceived danger is, then when they're feeling comfortable again, they can go right back to living life in the moment and be mindful of just being a horse again, right? Eating their grass and enjoying the sun or whatever it is they're doing out there. And they can move on a lot quicker than people who we, you know, many times we ruminate over, you know, why did this happen? Why did this one say this to me? You know, whatever it is. And um, they can teach us if we listen to them that, um, we too can move forward if we all think more like a horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that because I think in the animal world, you know, it's very just basic, you know, it's instinct and survival, but then once things are not in survival, then, you know, there's no flea needed and you can be happy. Then everything's just fine. But humans, we worry about stuff. And then it's, we're, we're wrapped in that fight or flight for much longer than the actual existence of the trauma or the, uh, whatever the, the issue is. So, you know, we, we should be more like horses right. and let it, let it go. But it's so fascinating because you look at these horses and they look cool as cucumbers. They don't look like they have anything going on. You know, they're just eating or walking around. Mm -hmm. It's the little, you know, small things that, um, are such big indicators for them that, you know, they're really responsive in their body. And, you know, we, we can take a lot from that too, to like tune into the little, like the little things in our own body, you know? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, um, in my training, I have over 16,000 hours of course psychology and training. So I can, um, I've, Besides the Egala model, like we mentioned earlier, I've also gone on to um, uh, go through training in other models as well. So I can give our clients a broader spectrum of, you know, possibilities in their therapeutic process because not every model works for every client. And there's another, <clears throat> excuse me, um, model that I'm actually certified. It stands for Arenas for Change, and it's through the Horses Through Mental Health um, nonprofit organization. And um, this is more um, a model that's about storytelling because we all have stories to tell. And um, so if we look at the horses and the environment as like a story, you know, we could um, decide if we're the producer of our story or, or the director of our story or if we're a character in the story and, and choose the location. And it's really cool. And it just gives people another option for um, being able to tell their story and to help that the horses can help them, you know, if they, if their story needs to change, you know, maybe the, the ending of the story needs to change or to help, you know, close a chapter of a book or, you know, whatever it is. So it's really cool stuff. <laughs> 
There's yeah. lots of options. It's so fascinating to me. Like who would have thought, you know, before I met you, I didn't, I didn't know that that's, that was even something that, you know, was out there. So it's really cool that what you're doing and all the people that you're helping. And I just, I love it. It's just wonderful. So what do you think, um, what's the biggest thing that your horses have taught you? To go with your gut feeling, you know, like whatever your gut's telling you to really, really listen to it and to stop fighting those voices, you know, of reason that either you have, you know, in your own mind or that others are telling you um, that really just listen, like just listen to all the signs and the signals, right? And to just really live in the moment. Um, Since I've been doing this work, I mean, I, so I mentioned I was in corporate America and up until actually this past January. So for uh, the last 23 years, I had, you know, had a very, very um, full-time position elsewhere in marketing. And then I was also doing this work as well, very full-time. So my mind was always very, very busy and, you know, go, 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 not taking a lot of time for myself or to be able to just enjoy life and, you know, the the blue sky and, you know, the sunrise or the sunset or whatever, you know, all the little things, right? And now I've learned to slow it down a lot and to just really, I think I'm happier than I probably, I know I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. You know, there, I've had obviously happy moments in my life, like, you know, giving birth to my daughter. That was like one of the very best things I ever did. Right. And we have a, I have a really close relationship to my daughter who's now in her twenties. So, you know, that's an event that by far was great, but like, this is an everyday uh, piece that I have just being around the horses and even if I'm not around the horses, you know, just dealing with people, uh, not to be so judgmental. That's another um, big um, lesson that they taught me. Uh, Yeah. Just to really to exist with others and to just take people and circumstances for what they are and know that there's always a lesson being learned. Mm. It's a lot, but there's a lot. There's so many lessons that they've taught me, actually, Rachel. I, I, I can't it's just name just one. I, I knew many answers. <laughs> you know me. Oh, but those are those are great. Those are great lessons. I mean, I think that that's just such a great mirroring back to us. So, you know, we can really use those lessons in our 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 daily life. But it's it's interesting when you work with them, the animals so closely. So it's it's just it's perfect. Um, what do you say to people that are maybe hesitant to work with horses because a lot of people fear large animals or horses? So how do you um, how do they benefit from that work if they're kind of nervous maybe to get involved? Yeah, so um, it's it's about your cho- you have a choice in the matter, right? So um, I even though I highly recommend it, 
you know, that you get up close and personal with them, you never have to go into the arena to learn, to begin learning those lessons uh, and to see the messages that the horses will give you. So it's uh, for your own safety. You can always stand behind like a barrier behind a gate or a fence or something like that. And we do a lot of horse observation for clients that are maybe really unsure. Maybe they're curious to be here, but they're just, you know, they either had a bad experience with the horse. You guys hear it like, you know, so many people say, you know, when I was younger, I just like jumped on this horse's back and the horse, you know, ran away and into the woods and I got thrown. I hear that story so many times. And I always say, yeah. And I'm like, well, like if I were to jump on your back, wouldn't you start, you would dump me too. Right. So it's about building that relationship, you know, with the horse and the horses are, you know, are no different than people. So, um, you know, many times people want to like the first reaction they have when they see a horse is they want to pet its face. And many times when so horses, they can't see right between their eyes because their eyes are to the side of their head. Unlike dogs that, you know, they can, and people that they can see like right in the front. So right there, that's like a confrontational, like kind of scary thing. So yeah, of course, a lot of times, of course, my, you know, shy away or, you know, show its teeth or do you make some kind of movement that people will automatically say, oh, it doesn't like me. See, mm-hmm. this is why I don't like whether those pieces a little bit, you know, and explain that it's about relationship building and that, you know, if you met a person, you wouldn't just like walk up to them and give them a kiss or a hug, you know, they might slug you. <laughs> so same thing with a horse. So um, yeah, th- that's a huge lesson that they can learn. And, you know, people can have a great experience even without walking into the arena. Okay. That's great. How can people get involved with uh, working with your program or they, if they're interested in more information, where can they find you? Yes, yeah, so we have a website. It's foreveramber.org. Um, or they can reach out to us uh, through email. And that's foreveramberacres at gmail.com. We're also on social media, on Facebook, um, Forever Amber Acres, and Instagram. Uh, so there's many, many ways um, that people can um, find out more information and to contact us um, to get more information. Um, all of our services are free of charge uh, to military veterans, first responders, active duty military, and National Guard. Um, so uh, because of the grant funding or the grassroots efforts that we make in fundraising, uh, we never charge veterans or first responders for our services. And then if you're a civilian and you would like to uh, get involved, um, we have a calendar of events uh, that's posted on our website and also on our Facebook page. And every month through uh, the end of you know the year, we have various workshops um, that um, people, if you want to try out like a small group workshop, we have women's workshops. Um, we have workshops for men and women. We have workshops for veterans once a month. 
um, currently. And then we can also um, schedule individual or family sessions, you know, where you have more privacy if you're not comfortable working with a group of people that you don't know yet. Um, but I will tell you, like, every veteran, I think, that has ever come here and at least given it a try because, you know, it is, you know, scary to try new things sometimes or people might have a certain level of skepticism. Um, we hear so many amazing stories about how um, people's lives were changed. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I will link your um, information, your website and your social media in the show notes below so that when this airs, people can look you up and reach out to you if they have any questions or if they want to get involved. Um, I think what you're doing is wonderful. And I love that you're offering these services for veterans and first responders. I think it's so necessary and such a great thing that you're doing. So thank you for all of your work. And I really appreciate you being here today. So I won't get this wrapped up, but uh, thank you for. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope that somebody out there listening is, you know, maybe feeling like they need to try something that, you know, if traditional therapy is not working or if you need kind of an adjunct to, you know, an additional uh, type of therapy, um, please give us a call. <sighs> Yeah, I think it'll be wonderful. If not, just schedule a visit and go check out the horses and say hi and see what's going on. That's always, it's always, yeah, you must make an appointment. I should have said that because oh, sometimes yeah. people will just try to come down the driveway, <laughs> um, but an appointment is necessary. Yeah, make an appointment, but you should go check out Michelle's farm. It's great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank well, you, Rachel. Thank you. And we will see you on another episode of Return to Ease. Thanks for listening to Return to Ease. Before you go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode. 